Kreusser, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Thank you so much. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, brought to you from the living room and at Veriad. You must be a win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it, the world is missing now. You can get it if you really My name is Joe and I'm your presenter today. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and Adveriad. My name is Joe and our guest today is Nick. Welcome, Nick. How are you? Hi, hi. Real, real pleasure to finally be here. This is wonderful. This is great. Excellent. Shall we get straight into your first song before we chat about a bit about why you're here? Sure, yeah. And I've got it down as Time for Heroes by the Libertines. Why did you choose that one? Because it's, it's a song about being in the madness. And I thought we should start there because that's where I was before I found recovery. Uh, it's actually a song about a riot, but it's about people who, it's sung by people who specialise in being in the madness. Okay. Spread nasty disease around town You cut on the houses with your trousers down A head rush, and in the bush Yeah, I cherish you, my love Oh, I cherish you, my love Tell me what can you want Now you've got it all I've seen As it seems I must strip it away A year and a day Down on my knees. Yes, I pass myself down on my knees. 
Time for Heroes by the Libertines. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. I'm here with Nick today, who is coming to talk to us about his alcoholism and subsequent recovery. Nick, could you start by telling us what growing up was like for you? Well, well, um, it, growing up, surprisingly painfully ordinary, growing up in kind of England suburbia and desperately kind of dreaming of somewhere else you know always always my thoughts were about being somewhere else being someone else and I think this is something that that is at the core of my my addiction that that desire to 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 kind of for escape years and years of terrible terrible bullying at at school and um, quite a lot of violence directed towards me in my in, in my teenage years from sort of uh, very various kind of local psychopath I, it's only in my my sort of 30s and 40s I've ever really stopped to kind of consider how how much trauma uh, I actually went through uh, as a result of a lot of that violence but I, I guess part of part of part of my journey through my through my childhood years um, was was always trying to it was about on some level about trying to run away and it's a lesson i didn't learn uh, about um until i was 30 until i found recovery i didn't really understand that that my life had been about you know various different forms of escape yeah sure that sounds quite terrifying um i know a, a lot of people experience bullying when they're children but to describe your experience of going through violence sounds quite terrifying to be honest with you how did you used to try to escape that when you were younger it was the discovery i mean the 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 discovery of alcohol was the thing that made the whole universe make sense not just you know of of, you know childhood bullying and stuff like that bullying is a bit of a kind of a redundant old word isn't it because it makes us think of kind of naughty schoolboys in gray in in knee-length gray shorts with catapults when I mean, it's not that it's 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 violence and assault uh, you know uh, coercion and and the, the kinds of things that you you think kids should never have to deal with really but unfortunately they do but um 
my discovery of alcohol when I was about 15 was the the kind of the it seemed at the time to be this magical jigsaw piece that slotted into place that made the whole universe make perfect sense you know mm. I get why I'm an addict because other non-addicts I don't think they have that kind of epiphany experience of oh my god this is it I've longed for this all my life. I've searched for this all my life. We are here. We're at the place we always wanted to be. You know, that that was my first experience with alcohol. And that's why alcohol and I had such a deep, deep love affair, you know. And the thing I believe about addiction is, you know, people aren't addicts because they're stupid. People are addicts because at a certain point, the thing they find makes sense, you know, on a really deep level. Yeah. Well, that's really, really powerful. And I do want to explore that more with you. But before we do, I'm going to move on to your next song choice, which is Many Rivers to Cross by Jimmy Cliff. Why this song? Well, it's 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 in the title, isn't it? I mean, my journey towards recovery and my journey through life has been those, those, those many, many rivers to cross. And um, it's it's a song that there's, there's a great deal of empathy there with with people who struggle um and and being at that that jumping off place Many Rivers to Cross by Jimmy Cliff. 
This is Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. What I heard in that song actually was a sad tale of loneliness. Would you say that you identified with that when you were younger? Yeah, yeah, in, in two ways, I'd say. Firstly, as a kind of like a habitual dreamer and um, a daydreamer of sorts, really, I, I was quite the misunderstood child, I think. I had periods of, of, of feeling, yeah, quite quite lonely, as I guess everybody does. I think it's a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a, kind of a narcissistic conceit, isn't it? Think, oh, I was the only person that was ever lonely ever. Like, well, no, it's very common human experience. But um, I always felt like one of kind of life's square pegs in, in round holes and without anywhere that I specifically belonged. And then, of course, alcohol tends to give you release from the loneliness and the pretense is very successful for a while you know for a couple of years yeah it seems like you really have found found the answer in alcohol and drink and drinking life but the loneliness that alcohol eventually brings is like nothing else mm. like nothing else anyone can, you know you can imagine and so my recovery really has been about that return that return to connection the re- return to love really is, is, is what you could describe it as. Yeah, I can certainly identify with that. Well, going back just a little bit before we talk about your recovery, moving on from your teenagers into perhaps your 20s and early career, could you tell us a little more about what life was like for you then? Well, it was it was at university that the kind of the blue touch paper of alcoholism was really lit. That was when uh, I was away from home. There was abundant cheap alcohol and becoming or trying to form some sense of being a person that was what I was chiefly motivated by and I and I did that through drinking and eventually drinking became all that mattered and when I um, left university I wasn't sure where I was going or what I wanted to do so I trained as a newspaper reporter and that was the first time in my life I had a thing that I was kind of good at, but it was a kind of a, a red, sort of a, 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 an off the shelf, off the peg kind of identity. If I'd have thought of myself, I'd have just thought, I always, when I try to imagine myself, thought of a kind of a big cloud, a big sort of shifting cloud that didn't have any kind of sort of core to it. And so having a, a kind of like a, um, and only British listeners will get this reference, like a Mr. Ben kind of uniform to wear was great but when that was taken away from me then I was in real crisis and of course there is no job quite as good for the alcoholic as that of the newspaper reporter Um, it's a tailor-made for uh, alcoholics and addicts and, and egotists the world over. I guess it gave you a sense of being a somebody and a sense of identity at that time? It did somebody clever and important and during that job I crashed through the lives of other people there are things I did in that job that I will never really be able to make up for particularly the invasion of other people's privacy and particularly the invasion of other people's grief which supposedly was in the interests of providing the people of East Berkshire with interesting stories while they looked at the tv pages but there's no no excuse for it. It was un- unforgivable. Some of the things I've found in recovery, maybe you can't exactly make up for. And so you have to live with. 
It's a very poignant, Nick, and um, maybe we'll talk a little more about that after your next song, which is Ride Into the Sun by the Velvet Underground. Why did you choose this song? Well, it's a real, it's kind of instrumental, and it's always been with me there um, in, in my, my really melancholic times, my really sad times. Uh, it's a very beautiful piece of music. You can sort of project onto this whatever you like, really, but it's 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 been like an old friend this song very beloved into recovery now radio let's recover together my name is joe and we're still with nick today nick you were just before that piece of music we were talking about some things that you were describing as having to live with for the rest of your life really consequences 
of mm -hmm. your actions during your addiction. Yeah. Can you tell me what the turning point was or the crisis that brought you into recovery? It was, it was two things, really. So the I, I began to work uh, at a newspaper in 2002. And by that point, the the addiction had complete control over me. I had, I was absolutely powerless over how much I drank and I had no no more choice in, in in drinking there were times where i for example would have to drink uh, drink a bottle of wine then vomit it back up and then in order to stop the shakes drink some more wine and try to hold it down in in order and i, I might go through two and a half bottles of wine that that way and within six months of me starting the job they basically said that they were pretty nice about it, all things considered, far nicer than they ought to have been. They said, well, we're, we're not going to extend your contract and we're, we're letting you go. And, you know, they paid me some paid me some money to go away, which was, you know, jolly decent of them, really. At the time, it was because I'd constructed my identity, my sense of self around this, this, this job I did. It, it was... Uh, an utter catastrophe it was the most shaming and humiliating thing but very quickly the drinking got back on top it was I, it almost didn't miss a beat i wasn't allowed to admit to myself that my drinking had cost me my my career i couldn't do that that was because that was a threat to the drinking you can't do that and i had to then construct some sort of bizarre kind of conspiracy theory that i you know, I was close to some Watergate sort of kind of scoop and, you know, the powers that be and, you know, got rid of me because I was on to, you know, and all this total nonsense. I look back now and I still uh, am astonished as to the depths of, of my illness and how sick I was. But it didn't stop me drinking for another two years. And I finally stopped when a friend of mine who had been, I got to know, he was a police officer and I got to know him when I'd worked as a reporter uh, in uh, Slough many, many years ago. And he found recovery after getting in even worse trouble than me. And he rang me up and I sort of kind of sixth sensed what he was going to say in the phone call. Unconsciously, I think I kind of knew what was coming. And he, he, he rang me up. And I said, oh, how are you? And, you know, how, 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 was the, how did the court case go? Because he was in quite a lot of trouble. And he, he'd been into to re, to rehab. And in rehab, he'd had this realisation that not only he was an alcoholic, but I was. And I was trying to sort of stop him from speaking. And he just eventually just said, will you shut up? Listen to me. You're an alcoholic. You are an alcoholic. And finally... I don't know why it was then. I don't know why it was that moment. And I don't question providence. But I was able to just very quietly go, I know. And I could stop the denial in just a tiny split second of a window of a moment. I said those just two words, I know. Yes, I know. And now I've said it, I have to do something about it. And that's how it began. It took me a month or two uh, that was the, in the April of 2004, and it took me to the June to finally stop. 
but I finally stopped because I went to AA. And I think if I have one message today, it's to anyone that's listening, I stopped, I was able to stop because I stopped trying to do it on my own. On my own, I was only ever going to lie to myself. That's quite a story, Nick. It's um, really, really powerful. Um, and I want to keep talking about it, but we've got to play some music first. Wow. <laughs> We're going to play There's Power in a Union by Billy Bragg. What inspires you about this song then? Did you see how I led into that one? You know, <laughs> this is a song obviously about like kind of politics and unions and workers working together. But it's also a, a power about there's, there's a power in any union, a union of, of, of addicts trying to overcome their illness. But of course, what inspires me as well is that, you know, during my career, when you've been as, <laughs> in as much trouble at work as I have, well, you always you always need to be in a trade union. So alcoholic <laughs> brothers and sisters cover your backs, you know. But it's, it, it's, it's an amazing piece of, of political songwriting and Billy Bragg is a genius.
and that was There Is Power in a Union by Billy Bragg. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Nick, we were talking about your powerlessness and the shame and deceit involved in -hmm. addiction until your policeman friend forced you to take a look at you finally. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what happened in your early recovery years after that? My early recovery years... I I mean, I remember the times that I I got recovery. It was a beautiful, beautiful summer. It was baking hot for months on end. And along these, these, um, I'll treasure this forever, really. Along these these light evenings, there was an AA meeting about 10 minutes walk from my house. And sometimes I would go home and the possibilities of what recovery was sunk into my head. When I recognised that alcohol had been responsible for nearly all the problems in my life and that one day at a time, those problems could be either gone or at least manageable. My goodness, it was like, you know, how probably they'll feel when they just they get nuclear fusion right. It was like, <laughs> what, really? So so I don't ha- I, I never have to drink again. And. And it's over and I'm, I'm, I'm free. There was one evening when, uh, b- before that moment, be- when I was struggling to really get it, I was there in my, in my living room and, and I, in my little flat. And I could feel the lure of the, the corner shop from down, down the road, kind of tugging at me, almost like a, there was a kind of like a, a string pulling at me. I had just about enough money left in the world to get drunk. And I, and I was really biting my nails to not do it. And then this this voice, really quiet, but very, very serious from part of me, from within, said, you know, if you you do this now, if you go and buy alcohol now, you know there's no coming back, don't you? This will be the end for you. This will be, there will be no, no way out of this if you go and do this now. And I was gripped with such a fear that I I finally broke and I asked for some I asked for help you know and um, as a, um, not a person of religion whatsoever I asked for for help I and I got to my knees and I said you know I I I don't know who is there or what or anything like that but I need your help and I I need. I just need your help. Um, you know, I, I, why you would help me, God only knows, but, but I need it anyway. And the weird thing was this. Was the next morning, I woke up and I got dressed for my job and brushed my teeth and drank my coffee and went to the bus. And it must have been about half an hour when I suddenly thought, I, I haven't thought about a drink at all. And I don't feel I haven't got this this sort of chaos inside me. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to drink. Good God, I don't want to drink. The idea of having one's really, really quite repellent to me. I don't. And and again, I I couldn't quite believe it. I, after all these years, I I don't want to drink. And it was like some storm had had lifted. And I, I can I can can't can't quite put into words what that was like that day. 
the moment that that storm lifted. And so my early recovery years were good because I did what other people suggested. And it's, it's that simple, really. Yeah. It sounds like um, that was some kind of spiritual experience for you. Yeah. And um, would you say that spirituality has played a part in your recovery since then? Yeah, in, 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 in sort of my own kind of wacky sort of ways of imagining that we exist in some giant, great thinking entity called the universe. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, to all my friends out there listening to this, imagine that's quite rational. Well, you know, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it does. It does. It's And it's a kind of a, a spirituality of, of, of my own that is just born of my own kind of stumbling through this existence really but certainly certainly i i i couldn't have survived without that Mm. so one of your own understanding then yeah that's that absolutely absolutely i've you know i've pinched a bit from a few sci-fi novels here and there and sort of thought (laughs) yeah that that sounds about right mr george lucas yeah (laughs) we'll have that (laughs) um but you know, trying to understand the universe and trying to understand whatever it is we think of as a god or, or whatever else is like, it's a virtually impossible task. So you might as well lighten it up with a few pop culture references and, you know, make your, try to kind of create your, your own understanding of these things. Um, oh, Nick, I'm supposed to be a serious interviewer here. You keep making me laugh. Well, <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> well... Before I laugh too much, let's listen to another track of yours, which is Wise Up by Amy Mann. Why do you like this song? Well, it's a song specifically um, about about addiction. Um, It's from the film Magnolia, and it it pertains to a scene which is all all about uh, cocaine addiction. Um, And it it says, basically... Until you, until you wise up, until you have a change of understanding, until you embrace a truth, until you look objectively at things, nothing will change. If you continue to do the same old things, nothing will change for you. And so I discovered this song when I was still drinking, but it only really made sense when I stopped. You can hardly stand it though, but now you know it's not.
that was Wise Up by Amy Mann. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Just before that song, Nick, we were talking about the concept of nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what else you think you've learned in recovery? Oh, God. What a, what, what, what a, what a monster of a question. What else have I, I learned in, in recovery? That I two two things I think that are most important. I must conduct myself honestly in all affairs, faultlessly as much as is 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 possible. I behave dishonestly frequently as a drinker. Uh, I, I I was unable to be honest with other people, and particularly I was unable to have relationships because I was unable to have any kind of honesty with myself, and so I didn't know anything about myself. I had to be because I didn't uh, because I felt there was a void inside me. If I was going out with somebody, I had to be sort of evasive and fearful, and I didn't want them to get to know me. So the relationship would always fall apart. So so honesty in, in all things uh, has to be you know at the at front and center, and also humility. Um, I didn't understand what that was. I had no idea. Because um, we live in a, a society that teaches us that behaving like an egomaniac is, a, is an essential career skill and that you should be shrieking and shouting and saying in some restaurants, do you know who I am? And all this sort of idiocy that people do. So that, that, that's how you get on in life. And, you know, we've got a culture that reinforces that all the time. The idea that you are no more important and special than anybody else and that the most famous and powerful and wealthy person you ever meet in your entire life is just a person, you know, as special, unique and sacred as a person, but also mundane and everyday like a person. This is the great, the great paradox that we all exist in. That, that was one of the most freeing things, realising that for most of my life I've been driven by this ego that demands attention and is vulnerable and bitter and brittle and jealous and all, all that kind of stuff. Finally, looking at that part of me, which is 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 the, the ego uh, and being able to go, well, it's always going to be there, but it ain't my best feature. And being able to go to, to look when the ego is coming out to play, as it periodically does, has been amazing. You know, there have been so many times when I've been dealing with a difficult situation and by rights in the past, I would have really lost my temper against somebody else's unreasonable behavior. And I suddenly realized, well, because I have a recovery, I have to operate at at a kind of a recovery standard. Mm. If somebody else is being unreasonable, then they are being unreasonable and I ain't going to change their behavior by shouting at them. Mm. but what i can it's do stuff isn't it not yours absolutely it's it's, yeah. it's it's hard you know this is like krypton factor kind of stuff you know this is <laughs> complex you know but that's what growing up is isn't it learning that you you know you, you you can't just temper tantrum your way out of things you have to work in recovery you have to be the example of good recovery and by the way anyone's listening i haven't got any of this right even half the time so um you know i'm i'm constantly actually kind of um, making mistakes and then but the key bit is I look at it and go ah right hold on we're going we, 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 we're going back to or we're, we're, we're starting to drift away from where we're meant to be 
and that's mm. the trick really well as they say it's progress not perfection isn't it nick yeah, I'm, thank goodness for that as well you know <laughs> i'd have been kicked out long ago but so when you were talking about getting honest and getting humility just now i was wondering how how has that made you feel and what has it done to your psyche how's that well i mean because obviously that's all part and parcel of the 12-step program and uh again looking at my part in things um there have been times where it, it kind of wasn't down to me and you know bad things did happen and, and it wasn't it wasn't my fault but being able to to look at my, look at my part in 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 a lot of um things that have happened in the past has been again it's been really really a really really humbling exercise and being able to see that there have been things that i have done that my alcoholism would have convinced me while i was in the right you were perfectly justified to do that thing and and well, no you could of course I wasn't. And it reminds me, you know, that I'm this this flawed and imperfect creature called a human being. So I think I think humility and honesty have helped me as much as possible to exist in that that kind of grey zone, which is where we all do exist. Okay, time for some more music. Next up we've got This Is the Sea by the Water Boys. I don't know this song, Nick. Tell me about this song. So this song is about, again, it's, it's about spirituality. It's about um, coming from, from the river, this sort of like narrow, tight, slender thread uh, that we exist in, into the wideness of the sea, the incomprehensible greatness of, of, of the spirit. Um, and it's written and performed by, obviously, the Water Boys and by Mike Scott of the Water Boys, who is a, one of the great kind of, songwriting geniuses of our era. Let's have a listen. These things you keep You better throw them away You want to turn your back On your soulless days Once you were tethered Once you were tethered Now you are free That was the river This is the sea Now 
This is the Sea by the Water Boys. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. So, Nick, I wanted to ask you about what recovery has brought you to now with regards to your new career. Well, it, I mean, you know, you'd need a, a, a separate podcast for me to list all the things recovery has brought me. But now, um, I mean, I do two things now uh, in recovery i'm a history teacher and i am uh, an addictions counselor the, the the first one in my inimitable style i i kind of accidentally became um most jobs happen to me by accident uh, basically and this the second one i was i mean obviously um was a um a client at the the living room uh winford who founded the living room obviously i, I know very well he's my my sponsor in AA and generally <laughs> these jobs if you hang around for long enough you wind up being in you know if they wind up making you work there um but the I, I joke but the the reality is is that being able to even if you don't call it counseling being able to sit with another person and say this place that you're in is safe for you to fall apart. This place that you're in is safe for you. You all that tension, all that strain of putting on that act. You can put the act down and you can be a mess for an hour if you want. And I won't judge you and I will hold you. I will hold this space so that you can be whoever you are. And when when you get that that deep deep trust with another human being and they can be entirely vulnerable and share with you the story of their life for whatever that is whatever that means the the ups and downs there there are a few privileges and honors like that there are a few moments like that when you you come to connect with another human being in that way and you are there really not to do for that person but to help them to find whatever way they're trying to find and to go on the journey with them if they'll have you yeah and and that is other than you know the other stuff of you know meeting my wife and having my little boy and you know you know living a life that works that's one of the, the great honors of my life i can't i can never really repay all the things that actually in, in a weird way clients have given me 
Yeah, it sounds like such a privilege to be able to sit with and connect with people in that way and be a part of their ongoing recovery. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes being present when there's some really dark stuff there and you can't, the, the urge to fix that's inside all of us, you know, you, you kind of have to resist that and, I'll, and do the only thing that will help that person to give them give them the problem back yeah but be with them while they while they solve it on that too know and know from your heart that they can mm -hmm. you know wow it's really powerful this interview nick <laughs> i'm gonna move on to your next piece of music before i get emotional because uh, it's really touching me it's, say, it's safe for you to be emotional joe this is, this is okay we're going to play Section 14, 2000 Places yep. by the Polyphonic Spree. That's right. What's yep. all that about then? It's a celebration. It just sounds like a celebration of joy and joyousness. Um, and uh, it is, I'll say no more about it than that, but there, there's a powerful, for me, there's a powerful message about recovery in it, if you listen to the words, but it's, it's full of joy. You gotta be good, you gotta be strong. 
section 14, 2000 Places by the Polyphonic Spree. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Wow, Nick, what, what an hour I've spent with you. We've talked about your alcoholism. We've talked about your recovery and your career. What I want to know now is what's next in store for Nick? What excites you about life now then? What's up and coming? Well, lots of things really. I mean, I've, I've had a brilliant life, really. I've, I, look, I look back on the, the last 17 years of my recovery and I've been given so much. And such had, had such a huge, huge amount of fun. And where where I go from here, um, you know, obviously we all we all get older and um, life goes through different stages. But I, I, I think if I could ask for anything from from life, is that well, whatever I do, is that I, I stay close to that that nimbus of light, that that source, that that connection to whatever higher power I found, and also the connection to uh, other people, um, because other people are are the salvation. You know, they're like nuisance as well sometimes, let's face it, but <laughs> they are all we have. We are all we have. And that's how we'll, we will solve our problems in this world, is through one yeah. another. And that's how we'll tell stories and remain human in this world. Yeah. And I want that to be my my life, really. My life's work is connection with with other people. How that shapes, how that forms, I'm sure it will shape and form in many, many different ways. But that has to be that has to be what it's all about for me. And, you know, loving my life with my my wife and, and our little boy who, you know, he might be listening to this in. 10 years time and be not such a little boy anymore. <laughs> you just reminded me, I did read a, a survey once of people who were coming to the end of their life and they were discussing what they regretted most. And nobody ever said, I regretted not working more. Yeah. <laughs> they all said, <laughs> I regretted not spending time with people. Yeah. And it's a, it's a heartbreak if you get to the end of your life to, to realize that and thinking, you know, I, I, I could have spent more time in the accounting department or finding out about <laughs> the public sector borrowing requirements. No, people don't think Health like and that. safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're made for connection and yeah. community and love and creativity and joy and art and song and fun. And so go out and live it, people, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, before we move on to your last song, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And I'd like to encourage people to like, comment, share, and we do recover as a result of this. So make sure you subscribe to Mixcloud. Thank you all for being here. I'd like to thank The Living Room and Advariad for everything they do for us and making it this radio station possible. And most of all, Nick, I would love to thank you for spending your time with us today. You're very welcome. that's, it was a pleasure, an honour and a privilege. You're very um, Your final song is Bohemian Like You by the Dandy Warhols. Yeah. Tell me about this one then. Well, it's because it, it's it's just awesome, fun rock and roll. And, you know, I've spent uh, a good hour talking about, you know, some pretty maudlin stuff. And um, 
This song was great when I was drinking and it's even better now. Excellent.